Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome to episode 37 of Save Trash Cinema, the podcast, where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, your guide through trash cinema, everyone's favorite dumpster boy, Cayman Darty. And on today's episode, we're turning the horniness level of your Saturday morning cartoons up to 11 when we zoot suit boogie our way through Ralph Bakshi's 1992 animated trash classic, cool world but before we get into that let me introduce you to the horn dog joining me on today's mm. episode he was once expelled from elementary school after he drew an entire erotic fanfic comment starring sonic the hedgehog and mario <laughs> both with massive three feet dongs the worst part was the overall lack of any sort of character development but that's beside the point my friend and co-host patrick Schweigert. okay I, here's i have a few things to report based on the first 30 seconds of this podcast yes First of all, in the honor of the horniness level of this movie, I, I ask you to remove together from your first line. So it just says exploitation and expiration come. come. Consider yeah. in post. Just this consider is... it in post. Second thing, mm. you call me a horn dog yeah. this morning because we don't have a lot in our pantry. What did I have for breakfast? A corn dog. Third Please thing. Please tell me you air fried your corn dog. I did. 375 That's for 15 boy. minutes. That's my boy. Third thing, you say mm. I was expelled from elementary school after I drew an erotic fanfic comic starring Sonic and Mario. What if I told you, Cayman, that I wasn't expelled, but I was sent home in the first grade oh, boy. for drawing my teacher, and I won't use names here, but drawing my teacher naked because here was my my way in. I wanted to draw a teacher or my teacher a picture. She was pregnant. She was about to leave on it's maternity so leave. much worse. Hold on. She was pregnant? <laughs> wait. Wait for it. So uh. she's about to go on maternity leave. I loved this teacher. We had great rapport in first grade. Sure. And so I go to draw her, and my thought process on drawing her was, well, we put our clothes on, so I'm going to draw her naked and then draw the clothes on her. But she looked over my soul, my shoulder when she was just naked <laughs> and I hadn't put the clothes on her yet. So uh, I got sent home that day. Uh, and my mom, when she tells the story, she does tell me that the teacher did find it funny but when it was just mom to mom. Mm -hmm. But for the sake of, I guess the rules I needed to be sent home for drawing pornographic material, but it's like, it wasn't pornographic. I just hadn't gotten to the clothes yet. Fair enough, I'm just saying, I'm just the synergy right now, it, it, it's at unparalleled levels, is what I'm saying. It, it, yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of weird, dude. I mean, you were like you were in first grade, so like I can't be like too upset with you, but also because you have to remember, Cayman, first yeah. grade, this is three years before 9-11, different time. It was a different time, yeah. It was a different time. Yeah, it's a different time, indeed. And speaking of different times, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget you can the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host. By emailing us at savetrashcinema.gmail.com or you can DM us on all of our socials at Save Trash Cinema. Make sure to check out last week's episode when we accomplished the unthinkable, Patrick. 
and we released the first ever episode of Torture Your Friends and covered the most controversial film banned in at least 46 countries, a Serbian film. We'll be continuing to release mini-sodes, crossover episodes, interviews, and even game shows. So keep your eyes peeled for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. Patrick, question. Can I tell you something? Yeah. You, you can, and then I have a question for you. Okay. Did you know that your sister messaged me and called uh, you a little mm-hmm. bitch because wow. you did not do that episode? Here's the thing, Cayman. Kiki has never lied a day in her life. Fair I enough. am a little bitch. I'm a little baby back bitch. And I... I had the privilege of not knowing that that's what you were doing when I was out of town. Sure. But when I tell you the sigh of relief I had when I found out that you guys were covering a Serbian film, which meant I never have to watch it. Fair. At some point, I probably will end up watching it because I'll be at your house and you're going to force me to. But Never. Until that day, I get to live without that pain. But here's my question for you. So I listened to the whole episode, thought it was mm-hmm. great. My question, now that you... You know, I've, I've heard you say the title of this film so many times, a Serbian film. Is there any sort of trivia as to why it's just called a Serbian film as opposed to like skull fucking a brain? So, I, you know, that's something and I feel like it's probably been covered before and I just haven't seen it yet. There is yeah. a documentary coming out called a Serbian documentary. Uh, oh, really? Where there. Uh, yeah. So the actual the director uh, of the film, he's actually doing it. It's being released through on Earth Films. And I'm actually quite excited to see because I am curious, like what the making of a movie like that is like, because that's just this movie's insane. Right. But I think to answer your question, I think the reason it's called a Serbian film is actually twofold. One, it's because the whole premise of the film is that they're making a movie mm. like the person we follow the whole film is an actor within a movie that this this crazy dude's trying to make. And so I think on one hand, it is like. He, the dude is like, I'm making a Serbian film that like tells the story of like Serbia and like all this. Sure. Stuff. But I also think it's multi context. The, the contextual layers there is also that like the film is supposed to, whether we agree that it's handled correctly or not correctly, I think is the question. But like, I do think the reason why is the, is because the director has said like, this is a movie about how terrible the Serbian government is. So this uh, is like the okay. most, uh emblem emblematic version of a film from serbia so i i think that there's some there's layers to it. there's layers to it but let's be honest people aren't watching a serbian film to see all the context and all the socio socio-politicalness of it yeah they're, they're they're watching it to see what's so fucked up and let me tell you a lot it's super fucked up but uh with that out of the way and with the housekeeping out of the way why don't we jump into the overview of the film During his 10 years in prison, Jack Deebs created his own world. It made him very successful. You're Jack Deebs, the creator of Cool World, right? I can't believe this. Now he thinks he's going home to the real world. But he's wrong. Real wrong. Welcome to my world. You're not in Kansas anymore! We may not be real to yours yet, but we will be. Cool World 
1992 animated live action hybrid action comedy film something written by the duo of Mark Victor and Michael Grace, as well as directed by legendary cartoonist Ralph Bakshi. Mark Victor and Michael Grace are the duo behind films such as Charles Bronson's Death Hunt, Steven Seagal's Mark for Death, as well as the critically acclaimed and beloved horror film Poltergeist. Hmm. Now, Ralph Bakshi could, honestly, he could have an entire episode dedicated to just him and his legacy and all the work he's done, but we will try to keep it short here. Now, Bakshi is an award-winning cartoonist and anti-censorship advocate known for pushing the boundaries of animation through crude and explicit animated films. He's best known for the X-rated animated films Fritz the Cat, Coonskin, and Heavy Traffic. But his reach into the fantasy genre is where most of his mainstream appeal comes from, with the likes of the animated films uh, Wizards, the nightmare-inducing 1978 Lord of the Rings film, Yo. as well as the cult classic Fire and Ice. Yeah. You know, all those like crazy gifts where you're just like, what the fuck is this nightmare fuel? Yeah, no, I remember as a kid... Yeah uh renting the lord of the rings cartoon like not understanding that the cartoon of it will be just totally different and it won't just be the cartoon version of Viggo mortensen and i was upset watching that it's an interesting thought piece <laughs> let's just say that let's just say that now the story of Coral World goes as such: When cartoonist Jack Deebs was behind bars, he found escape by creating Cool World, a cartoon series featuring a voluptuous femme fatale named Holly Wood. Yeah, uh, the, the cartoonist <laughs> <laughs> cartoonist becomes a prisoner of his own fantasies when Holly transports Jack into Cool World with a scheme to seduce him and bring herself to life. A hard-boiled detective, the only other human in Cool World, cautions Jack with the law. Noids, which are humans, cannot have sex with doodles, which are the cartoons. However, the flesh proves weaker than ink as Holly takes human form in Las Vegas, starring in a trans-universal chase that threatens the destruction of both worlds. And I think it's worth clarifying, if you didn't watch the movie and you're just listening to us talk about it, Hollywood is spelled like would you rather not like yes wood of a tree so it's just it, i feel like that that provides some context on who holly is later in the film yeah it's an interesting because she would i tell you what thing that uh happens throughout this entire movie and honestly i just i just can't i can't with this anymore patrick i have to tell you a little bit of trivia before we go any further please in the original script, uh, Hollywood's name actually was called Debbie Dallas. <laughs> okay. Um, because, as I yeah. think Patrick knows, but if the audience doesn't, uh, she was named after the, the the pornographic film Debbie Does Dallas. That was supposed to be the joke. And apparently the studio, which I think is Paramount, maybe? It was uh, on Paramount Plus, so I think this was a Paramount movie. Uh, either way, apparently the studio heads were like, hey, you know what you shouldn't do? That. Yeah. And there's a bit more trivia on what this film might have looked like if Ralph Bakshi actually got his way and made a movie like he normally does. Uh, but that's beside the point. The film stars, and this is where shit goes off rails already. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. just going off fucking rails. The film stars, Patrick, Emmy nominee Gabriel Byrne from The Usual Suspects, Miller's Crossing, 
and is also known as the husband who gets set on fire in Hereditary. God, I, I love Gabriel Byrne so much. Yeah, I get my love so of good. Gabriel Byrne from my mother, who really likes him, because also really big fan of the HBO show In Treatment that oh, he yeah. was on. Uh, yeah, he's he's a great actor. That's I think what he was uh, nominated for. An Emmy I think so. Was, yeah, for, for almost treatment. Yeah. Uh, it also stars Oscar award winner Kim Basinger from L.A. Confidential, Batman, and My Stepmother is an Alien. <laughs> what is My Stepmother is an Alien? Uh, it's just an old trash. It's like an old kids trash cinema for kids Hell movie. Yeah. You know that old thing. Uh, and then guess what? It also stars another <laughs> Oscar award winner. Brad Pitt, multi Oscar award winner. Multi. So this is this is the where to bring some of my own trivia into this. I brought this movie to the table, and the reason I brought this movie to the table, good friends of ours, uh, Cole and Nikki, um, they were visiting us over Christmas, and they said we were talking about SCC, and uh, they asked if I'd ever watched Cool World, and I pulled up a trailer for it. And for it to have Brad Pitt, Gabriel Byrne, and Kim Basinger, I was like, I don't need to know anymore. I'm already in. Uh, so, yeah, I this was a long time coming, this movie. Yeah, and I'm just just for clarification's sake, it, for some reason, if anyone out there has no clue who Brad Pitt is, uh, he was in Oscar-winning uh, actor from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Moneyball, and The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Uh, this is his trash cinema film which yeah they everyone you know, has one at least it seems you know it's interesting we say that because it's it seems like today we don't see as many people sure. get their starts with trash cinema films true it's like true. they're just they just skip it and i think that ruins i think that's why we have like such young shitheads in sure. hollywood is they're not going through the proper steps, right? Sure. They're not doing Leprechaun. They're not doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Next Generation. They're not doing Cool World. They're just jumping straight into fucking A24 films yeah. and are getting critical acclaim. No, you need to start at the bottom. It's like like if you're, you you got to start as a dishwasher and then work yeah. your way up to be the FOH manager. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, oh I know exactly. I, I'm picking up what you happen to be putting down right now. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, the film runs for an hour and 42 minutes and sports a Rotten Tomatoes score of 4%. <laughs> which, like, what the fuck? Dude, we've covered some bad movies, right? We've four is definitely... Four is egregious, man. Pretty low. I would I say mean, 40%, sure. I, I, I mean, I don't know that I would go much higher than four, but I do feel like four is a little rude. <laughs> like, this movie's got problems. That's all. That's it. That's it. That's it. Now, uh, if you want to stream the film, as Patrick mentioned earlier on, you can stream it right now through Paramount Plus. Or if you're a Ralph Bakshi super fan like myself, you can purchase a copy on Blu-ray through Amazon for roughly $25. One last note worth mentioning is that Cool World would also get a video game adaptation for the Super Nintendo. Whoa. Unfortunately, it too was critically panned by both critics and audience members alike. So, as I Yo. think one review, one review I saw literally just said, just like the movie, this game sucks. <laughs> like, what? This? Man, people were so harsh in 1992. They really were. This looks so bad. I mean, it probably is. Let's be honest. Man, I'm going to definitely go find a ROM of that. Please do. Uh, I'm very curious to know how that game plays. I will say, though, that apparently Brad Pitt 
uh, I forgot what it was. He was doing some press tour for one of his movies, and someone brought up a Cool World, and uh, apparently he is not a fan of this movie. And there's a lot of stories that apparently was like this almost completely tanked his career starring in it because he had just rolled off the heels of uh, Thelma and Louise where he had that was like his breakout role. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's like this heartthrob X, Y, Z. He rolls into Cool World because he's like, I'm going to be starring alongside some incredible actors. And, you know, all this stuff is a big budget film and he's going to be one of the leads in it. And he does. The movie is critically panned. And, um, yeah, so he was lucky enough. But then again, I want to go ahead and say again, how many amazing uh, Hollywood actors have started in trash cinema? So, you know, maybe Brad Pitt, shut the fuck up. Yeah, it was definitely it was a dicey couple years there. So after he did Cool World, he was on an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Hell yeah, bro. And then uh, he was in A River Runs Through It. Uh, a short film called Contact California with a K. These are okay. one of these things I'm familiar. California with a K actually is like a really good suspense thriller. Okay. Um, okay. It stars. I want to say it also stars David Duchovny in it. It is a. It's actually a very interesting movie that I like highly recommend people check out. It's not very yeah, well David known, Duchovny. but uh, it's like a really cool. It's like follows like a serial killer. Julia Lewis, like yeah. on like a road trip. It's a weird movie. Kind of uh, has some. Kind of feels a little bit like uh, Natural Born Killers, you know, the Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis film. Sure. That movie also. Fucks. But then, man, he, after this little weird spell, Interview with a Vampire, Legends of the Fall, Seven, Twelve Monkeys, all within 94 and 95. Like, what which, a fucking. He was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in Twelve Monkeys as well. Yeah, which I think that year he should have won, but that's what's happening. Oh, fuck yeah. Absolutely agree. Well, with that overview out of the way, why don't we take some time to discuss some initial thoughts? Patrick, we'll start with you, man. Um, as you mentioned, this film yes. was actually brought to you. You were the one that said, I want to do this episode. Yes. As myself, as someone who's a huge fan of Fritz the Cat, as well as Fire and Ice, um, I'm well-versed within the the world of Ralph Bakshi. So like, I know about like his illustrious career, how insane his animation is. Yeah. And just how weird shit can get. So for me, I was like, yeah, this is a definite let's let's jump right in. I had no hesitations going into this. But for you, you saw a trailer. You immediately said, what what did you think you were getting into with a movie like this? So uh, it was obviously and not even just because of the cartoon aspect, but I was getting evil tunes vibes like that, like really outlandish. Do you happen to remember what year evil tunes was? Was it 80s? Evil tunes, early 90s, early 90s. Okay, so so that like 90s trying to make animation work in live action that like really weird vibe that was exciting to me but then yeah it's just that like the the brad pitt gabriel Byrne, kim basinger uh trifecta was just it was one of those things i was like you know what this movie probably is not good because as someone who uh i consider myself a fan of brad pitt's work I like I like a lot of the movies he's been in, social things aside. And I've never heard of this movie prior to Christmas when it was brought to my attention. I was like, okay, this must be fucking bad if that's the case. Uh, and but I was like, you know what? I'm here for to have some fun. So that my hope was that I would walk out on the other side having felt better that I watched the movie. Now, did that happen? We'll have to wait and see. 
Yeah, I this is what I haven't seen Cool World in at least two decades. Like that's it's been so long since I've seen this. This is a PG thirteen film. Um, I would say if you're familiar with Ralph Bakshi's work at all, like it's rare that he does anything. Like I think you know, there's a couple films he did that were PG, but most of his movies are either rated R or some of his older films were rated X. Yeah, like those that's were, not surprising. Yeah, and so and you can kind of see a lot of that in this film too, and it is toned down compared to his other work, but it's still very present. Like you can definitely tell that like he does explicit shit. I will say something I wasn't expecting was how sexual this movie was. Like even the trailer does not portray the like how sexually driven this entire movie is. Uh, They kind of, from what I remember, it's been, you know, it's three months since I watched the trailer, but it seemed much more of like a fun time than like this weird, like fucking insane movie that we watched. Yeah. It's uh, it's you could definitely tell that there was a lot left on the editing floor when this movie was done. Must have um, And a lot of changes took place probably midway through it, uh, which we'll get into a little bit more of that. But yeah, like this movie is one of those where like, if I'm going to go back and watch something of his, like a lot of times I go back and watch, especially like Fritz the cat. Like I love Fritz the cat. Uh, I'll go back and watch that. I, I love Fire and Ice. Like his sword and sorcery phase he went through was like really cool. And there's some like really amazing work that he's done. He's an incredible cartoonist. And even his cartoon work in this movie, whether or not this movie is good or not, is still really good. Really fucking cool. Yeah. There's so much about this movie that is so fucking cool. Um, and so I knew going in, it was like, look, what I remember of this movie is very limited, but I know I was going to get into something that was going to be outrageous. I'm not going to say I was disappointed in that regard, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we will explain a little bit more on that. But there's one thing I do want to say before we actually jump into the film, and that is I do highly recommend like watching it if you can. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we just can't really cover because this movie, it moves at a breakneck pace. And a lot of the sight gags and a lot of the jokes, it's hard to kind of convey those via a script like this and a format like this. So, like, I highly recommend, like, actually going and watching this movie uh, if you're interested, obviously, because there's a lot that might not be portrayed correctly through what we can tell you. But with that being said, why don't we take the show on the road and uh, do that? So, cool world, everyone. And now, our feature presentation. Las Vegas, 1945. Plane rolls up to a hangar as a group looks on in anticipation. A bunch of army people walk out and we get our first glimpse of Brad Pitt looking hunky as hell. And boy, does he. Oh, hell yeah, he does, dude. Him and him as an army man, it doesn't matter what movie he's in. Yeah. Army guy. Like... Ugh. Just what a handsome young Brad Pitt, too. Shit, son. Shit. Shit. Back at home, Pitt walks out in a fine-ass zoot suit and takes his mom outside to show her a surprise. It's a motorcycle. <laughs> Apparently, he won it in a poker game in Italy, so good on him. One, I'm mean, curious how the fuck he got access to it. If he yep. won it in Italy, did he fly? I have questions. Doesn't matter. We're not going to get answers. He takes her for a ride, and along the way, they encounter a drunk driver who smashes headfirst into them. This launches Pitt 40 feet in the air and drossels his brain back to World War II. As he crawls through the dirt, he sees the lifeless body of his mother. He calls for a medic, 
But since he's got brain damage and this is in Germany, no one's there to help. Here's the I tell you what, brother. brother. I was not expecting a hard cut into PTSD territory four minutes into this movie. Dude. Uh, classic 90s, though. Classic 90s. A wild ass intro. Yeah. The... Why, like I him <laughs> in the zoot suit screaming. Uh, left flank, left flank, and yeah. they have like they're putting the sounds over to make it sound like yeah, they're like being bombs bombed. dropping. Yeah. Like man, like, this is they have. <laughs> and, but you know what's really funny about this to me is that at this time, while it's happening, I'm thinking like, oh, what an interesting like. Definitely didn't get this like PTSD vibe from the trailer. I wonder what they're gonna do with that. Literally nothing ever again after this scene. It never you know what? comes I... back. Here's the thing. This is ambivalent of the entire film is there is so much shit that goes on in this movie that is never explained uh, at all. Period. Yeah. Not again. Just like it fucking we just see things happen and then it's just we move on to the next thing. And I think that's the biggest problem with this movie is just that. Right. Yeah. Like there's so many just things that happen that are just like. It's the only time you're ever going to see this again. Right. And like the, there, there are a lot of threads that they introduce and like little story beats that they, that they bring about that they just like never touch again. I'm like, no, I kind of wanted to see where that goes, but this is also fucking at this point, I, I get whiplash with how quickly we go from PTSD to just cartoons. We're just in the cartoon world. So uh, we got to a cartoon scientist opening up a rift to the real world and he screams, it works. Brad Pitt regains consciousness and screams before being enveloped in a blue light, which zaps him into a pitch black room with a single spotlight over him. A bunch of cartoons stand over the top of him. Brad Pitt, obviously confused, questions what happens. He's apparently been zapped into the cartoon world known as Cool World. Mm. The doctor, Doc Whiskers, explains some shit about interdimensional time travel and leads Pitt off screen. This is the first point in which I'm like, I love how the humans are acting with the cartoons because it is so bad. Yeah, there's uh there's definitely a disconnect in terms because like we're kind of like rolling off the heels of I think it was in 1988 we had uh what was it the, the Who Framed Roger Rabbit there you go. yeah yeah uh, and like that movie was known as like this is like one of the first big leaps in technology that was like, we can do an animated film alongside human actors and it, and it works. And people, you know, this ain't some like 1950s racist Disney shit. Like, <laughs> right. right. This, is, this actually, you know, you can make a movie like this. And um, it, I don't know if it was because of a lack of budget or what happened, but it doesn't really work very well. In this, like, you could definitely tell that, like, these characters are disconnected from each other at any given yes. point. Like, this yes. Brad Pitt is just standing in a room by himself, screaming into the abyss. Um, I, I, I just this whole thing, this this whole scene, just the introduction of Doc Whiskers, so yes. fucking wild to me. So wild, and it's like I love how it's very much giving Looney Tunes, like the the yeah. the kind, like the style of the animation, um, and it just, yeah, I. I would have loved to have seen. I'm curious. You said you have the Blu-ray, right? I do. Is there, are there any like special features on it? Like, 
yeah there's, like there's making special, of type stuff I, I don't know if there's any like i'm assuming there probably is like featurettes on like yeah. the making of this movie i just unfortunately didn't have the time oh yeah no patience to I, just, I would love to see what it looked like filming these scenes yeah it's just like in a green screen but like is there something like it, where doc whiskers is that he's like interacting with or is he just playing to space it's also worth pointing out what Doc Whiskers looks like. He is like a two and a half foot tall bald man with like giant walrus mustache. It's Elmer Fudd meets uh, yeah. Dr. Eggman. Yes, actually spot yeah. fucking on there. Yeah. Good call. It was super bizarre. But we're now uh, second whiplash in five minutes. Yes. Smash cut to 1992 Las Vegas inside of a jail cell. An artist gets super weird about a picture he's drawing of a hot chick. The drawing comes to life and beckons him to join her. Then the then inmate gets zapped up and falls into the cool world. Uh, So much to unpack here. So much. Here's another thing that I hate about this movie. Or it's like really probably the only thing I hate about this movie. It is the only thing I hate about this movie. It's cool world, not the cool world and i'm like and they always address it as the cool world like oh you're in the cool world now sure and like it's always the cool world but then like all of the other marketing material is just cool world without the the on the front and it really kind of fucks with my head your brain a little bit yeah i'm like how like what what are we doing here this we're in cool world like that's it like that's how you're supposed to say it and i hate it I, I don't blame you. Uh, it, it didn't bother me as much as it bothered you. But the thing that did bother me, unless I just missed it later in the movie, which if I did just say I did and we can move on and talk about it later. But we smash cut to 1992. Yes. And I, Brad Pitt was from the 40s and go and gets zapped into Cool World then. If Cool World was made in the 90s by Gabriel Byrne, how the fuck did Brad Pitt get there? You know what? Here's the thing. The only time it's ever really mentioned is when Jack shows up in Cool World and Brad Pitt's like, you might thought that you created this world, but this world exists with or without you. Okay. Because okay. he's also like, I don't know, I guess the 50 years that Brad Pitt has spent in Cool World, like he's gone from like speaking like presumably someone would in World War II to speaking like someone would in like the 1970s. Like he's perpetually yeah. stuck in this like, jazz influenced it's so vocabulary. Weird. it's jarring and it's funny it is and funny. brad pitt sells every scene like he's going up for an oscar i'll i'll agree with you like even though most of the writing does not do him any favors he is committing yeah. in this movie yeah and you gotta love and, it for yeah gotta love it now speaking of such Jack lands in the middle of a seedy club surrounded by wolf cartoons and zoot suits. The sexy cartoon lady is dancing for the crowd, but then he is soon zapped back to the real world, which they always address the real world as the real world, Mm. not zapped back to real world. There's no, see, this is where I'm starting to break. They, they needed you as, uh, you know, on the board of this movie, just spit some ideas. You would have caught this. Yeah. You would have caught this. But 
How about some trivia came in sure. as a publicity stunt? Paramount pictures put a huge cut out of Hollywood on the D of the Hollywood sign. The studio donated 27 grand to the signs maintenance fund and another 27 grand to the rebuild LA fund. It, which was because this was just after the LA riots and paid for two park rangers to guard the sign 24 hours a day. The stunt angered local residents who picketed and demanded that the cutout be taken down. A fucking bizarre cowards man cowards cowards why would you picket that you live in hollywood you know the weird shit i saw when i was out in la i sure it wasn't 1992 but like what are you doing just fucking you live in a town where they just make movies yeah. and everything is way too expensive oh for so sure if you want to picket anything picket the fact did you have to spend 28 dollars for a cheeseburger at the hard rock cafe on sunset boulevard like that should be what you pick it over, not over a goddamn sign. First time, but not the last time I saw a man jerking off in public was in Hollywood. You know, I, I think I mentioned this before. Last time I was out in, in Hollywood, I saw a homeless lady who I thought was a street performer. And then I realized it was just like years worth of dirt caked on them. It was it was actually kind of terrifying. I thought yeah. it was like someone was doing like street performance, like a horror character. Yeah, that's and I realized. This was just, and I was like, man, that's a fucking bummer, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So a creepy cartoon, <laughs> presumably a villain, walks down a dingy alley. He's harassed by some street punks, and then he attacks them with some sentient wooden nickels. Excuse What's me? Wooden nickels. <laughs> I can't believe there are sentient wooden nickels in this okay. world. Okay, once again, when we were introduced to this character, I'm like, this is the big bad of this movie, right? Wrong. We see them like... Two more times in the movie, those sentient wooden nickels that like they put a lot of emphasis on. It's the only time we ever see them in use. Yeah. I don't know if it was there specifically to just be like, here is the world. Here is cool world. Look at all the weird shit that can happen here. <laughs> or if this was just some cut plot thread that didn't make it anywhere, which probably I think what blows my mind more than anything else, Patrick, is that they had to animate this, right? This isn't just like they shot an actor doing some fun shit and then we're like, eh, this is not worth exploring anymore and just start cutting things. Like they literally animated this scene to happen. Therefore, it makes me think that this has to be important. And it's not. Mm -mm. And nothing is. Mm -mm. Here's a question. Yeah. Or not a question, rather, but when I was reading the plot earlier, I forgot I'd written, written I'd written, I almost said, I'd written, I'd written a note, brother. Brother. That I think is worth sharing. So we, we did that jump cut to 1992, 47 years in total. I said, obviously, time doesn't work the same in Cool World. Titty jiggles, they definitely work the same. Because the first thing we see in Cool World is Hollywood's tits just jiggling as she's walking down the street. It's true. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a, a lot, lot of jiggles. Of, in a lot movie. of jiggles. A sweet 50 sports car wheels up. Brad Pitt. Is the driver, obviously. And some cartoons try to steal the car, but he stops them, as Brad Pitt is wont to do. Now, Pitt walks into the club and is addressed by Holly, the sexy cartoon, as Detective Harris. Apparently, Pitt has made some moves in the cool world and has become a detective. What? <laughs> what is a great question. And once again, I don't really ever think that this is addressed. When I was watching this movie... Um... I watched the first half of it with Rose and Devin and I was like, D hmm, did I miss something? How is he a detective now? 
it just we just accept it. He's we just, accept it. Yeah. We accept it. Now Pitt tells Holly that she had a annoyed visitation at the club last night. Uh, she said it was just a mind slip and nothing special. She tells him a story about a cartoon that once slipped into the real world and became a Vegas casino mogul. Pitt tells her that no one's slipping back and forth, especially a doodle. She tells Pitt that he'll find or that she'll find help from someone else if he doesn't help her. So uh, it's at this point we're kind of I don't know uh, we're kind of setting the stage. Uh, apparently, doodles can not slip through the real world, but like noids, which are the human characters, yeah, they can have what they call as mind slips, where they are through dreaming. Apparently, can somehow make it into cool world hang out but then they always have to go back and uh, apparently holly doesn't want to live in cool world anymore she wants to be annoyed we, we're setting this we're setting the the building blocks of a movie i guess i i don't know I, i'm just saying okay and, ki- and okay. keep watching yep, that's also it. uh some trivia apparently tracy lords was in contention for the role of hollywood but lost out to the more widely recognized kim basinger i'm not familiar with tracy lords off the top of my head yeah, that's probably fair. Uh, Tracy Lords is a porn star from the oh. uh, I think it was the late '70s, early '80s. She's notorious for the fact that she apparently started her porn career when she was like 15. Whoa! Which, as you can probably imagine, even then was illegal. Yeah. And so that was like that's kind of what she's known for. Like she was like a huge porn actress, and then it like came out that she was like underage for like the first few years of her career. Yikes. And that was not a, a something that was okay. Obviously yeah. it's not fucking okay. <laughs> yeah, obviously. It's not fucking okay. Um but she was like a really big name at the time. And huh. the reason I think it's so important that this is addressed is the fact that we were so fucking close to having another porn star in a movie. But truly. Like the last, like I feel like the last like few movies we've covered have been so close to getting porn stars. Like we had with like Slave Girls, we almost had a porn star in Slave yeah. Girls from Beyond Infinity. We're Man, almost could there, you, brother. Could you imagine if Hollywood had been played by Linnea? Oh my dude, this movie already bumped up like seven notches. Would have had at least a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. At least a 15 Back in the real world, Gabriel Byrne, the cartoon artist, is let out of jail. He moves into a new house and gets to work cartooning. First thing he does is hit the Vegas Strip and heads to a comic book shop. We find out he's Jack Deebs, the creator of the Cool World comic series. We find out that Jack apparently murdered a guy that his wife was cheating on him with. Goes nowhere. Goes, goes nowhere. nowhere, dude. We never learn about that ever again. We don't know if this dude was framed we don't know if he legitimately killed anyone it is literally never addressed again never and but but i did one of my favorite lines of the movie though is when he's in this cartoon or in the comic book shop and there he's recognized and so people are like handing him comic books to sign and the lady behind the counter is like totally trying to get dick down by jack deebs and uh this old fucking guy like six flags guy comes up to him he's like uh who the fuck are you? He's like, I'm Jack Deebs. And he's like, okay. <laughs> like, is, did this guy just like wander in off set, like uh, onto the set? Well, I also love is, is like when he pulls up to the comic book shop, it's just like all of these like classic superheroes. You got Batman, you got Superman, you got Captain America. You got all these classic superheroes on this like billboard outside yeah, this comic yeah. book shop. 
you walk into the comic book shop with Jack, right? And the only thing they sell in this comic book store apparently is just Cool World, head to toe, head it's, Cool World in this. Comic they book even shop. have they even have like a book, like a hardcover book that's like this is a really special copy of this book because it was signed by Jack Debs when he was in prison. So he's like, who is Jack Debs? And we get this, that what you just mentioned when Jack is at the counter, um, he's like buying some comics. Cause you know, as a cartoonist, he's got to stick up on or stay up on what's, what's current. Got to compare himself to the other cartoonists out there. Mm. And he sees the sign in the back and we kind of like get a slow, like zoom on his face. Like how does he feel? about the fact that they're selling an autograph cool world that was signed while he was in prison. Never touch it again. <laughs> Never fucking touch it again. Uh, Jack gets zapped into the cool world again. This time he's hassled by some street urchins. You heard that right. Some street urchins. He is soon saved by the appearance of Holly, the sexy cartoon bombshell. The cartoon police soon arrive. So Jack and Holly jump into her car and burn rubber with the poppers because that is yes. what these cops are called. Poppers. Because they're cops with guns that shoot bubbles. In tow, a baby then pees on the poppers, which caused them to crash. I will say one of my favorite moments, another one of my favorite moments in the movie, when Jack is brought into Cool World. Um, and he's like, I've, I don't remember the baby's name, but he's like, Steve, is that you? And he like pulls something out of his uh, diaper and like, I think his, his hand was in his eye. He like puts his hand out to shake it or whatever. I'm like, what are, could you imagine mm. this happening? You create a bunch of these characters and you are pulled into the world that you created them in and you're speaking to them. I, I feel, think I would just have a complete nervous breakdown instantly if that happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I would have just, just been like, you know what? I need to, I, I think I need to go back to prison. Yeah, take like, it. I don't think I'm ready. Something is broken. <laughs> I don't think I'm ready. I think I need to go back to jail now. Yes, please take me back to jail. Um, the whole baby peeing on the cop car thing or the pop car, the poppers, this all, you know what? I don't even want it. It's fine. I don't know what's happening. No. I think I text you and was like, at this point, I was like, I'm having such a hard time writing this script because. As I'm and I say this a lot where I'm like, I read back through and I'm like, none of this makes sense. I, I can't even begin to explain. None of this makes sense. No, none of it makes sense. And I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> you what you the first thing you texted me was I'm so lost right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was. You were. I, I could was. feel it. Now, Brad Pitt questions a hooker out in the street about her love of noids. This character comes back up later. Her name is Lonette. Uh, his time with her is cut short when his partner, a humanoid spider thing, tells him a noid has been spotted in town. So he takes the two, or the, excuse me, the two take off. I don't know, man. I, the two take off, and they go back to the club, club slash, where Holly works. Mm. Something's happening. Something's happening. Something's happening. Now, Jack and Holly walk into the club, but Pitt immediately apprehends Jack. Now, Pitt interrogates Jack and takes his fountain pen. Now, apparently a fountain pen is a very precious commodity in Cool World because you can do, like, magic tricks and or just straight up kill people. It's so bizarre. Um, he then proceeds to explain the one rule, the only rule 
that applies to the cool world. And that is, noids do not have sex with doodles. Don't even think about it. <laughs> yeah, let's go. World. And then immediately, Jack is that back to the real world. God. Losers. I think I ruined your your beer can open. I apologize. It's um, fine. It's a beer I'll, crack moment, baby. Sure. It, it was it. A certified beer crack moment. At some point, we need like a like a really pumped up sound effect. Yeah, this is like it'd be. It, look, we're gonna get moment. to one episode. Yeah, we're gonna get to one episode where there's gonna be so many of them that the whole episode is just like beer crack moment. Also, it's worth pointing out that his partner is named nails oh yeah 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 we'll get to yeah nails has a, a very huge role yeah, but also at the same time a very small role how yeah. you can have both at the same time movie magic i think movie magic a uh, little trivia the movie was originally sold as a hard r animated live action horror film the original concept art that ralph bakshi used to pitch the film was significantly more disturbing than what ultimately ended up on screen and had character designs stylistically similar to those found in frank miller's sin city once kim basinger became attached she and the studio became ambivalent about the kind of reaction the movie would generate resulting in the studio deciding to soften the picture to a pg rated dark comedy though the ratings board ultimately gave it a pg-13 here's the thing release the frank miller cut release the frank miller cut i think the thing is with this is one fuck you kim basinger seriously fuck you i don't know what else to say outside of the fact that like you potentially robbed us of a really cool movie um that, that would have been pretty cool yeah that would have been cool but two i think this is also like we mentioned previously like this movie originally was much different and you can still see like bits of the movie like this original concept that he had, you can see some of those still in this movie, like the backdrops in this movie. And I think it's important to point out that like half of the movie is like uh, our resident evil one style, like uh, like the old PlayStation style where you have like just a painted screen as like a backdrop, right. With like things moving around it. But there's also, which I think is really cool and an interesting design choice is that there's a lot of like actual props on set. Yeah, that are like hand painted to look just like Ralph Bakshi's art style that are like propped up like two dimensional, almost like theater set pieces. Yeah, like on like a sound really stage cool. that they're acting on with these like really dope like animated backdrops that are I mean, let's be honest, Cool World looks like hell. Like yeah. that's what it looks like. And there's like ghosts and like creepy shit happening at all times. So you can still see there is still like horror elements built in that are really never ever addressed yeah. uh but are just interesting to look at like the movie is really cool just to look at i feel like cool world is the like pre-disnification of Times square of osmosis jones's world yes if that makes sense like it is a dark fucking place yeah dude this place is like all sorts of fucked up but like yeah. if you, you know if you go back and watch like fritz the cat or like coonskin uh, or heavy traffic like a lot of the kind of still kind of looks the same like that's his weird like surrealist art style of like weird kind of backdrops with like moving characters uh it's cool but uh, brad pitt heads into a back room where the hooker we met before lonette is at she gets handsy with him but he stops her because they can't fuck 
He's in love with her, but Noids can't have sex with doodles. And we are really hammering this home. And I'm pretty sure this movie is just one big PSA for sexually transmitted diseases. Um, <laughs> I mean, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong, Patrick. Well, it was this was the scene where I was like, I feel like this movie was written by two teenage boys who had like dreams of fucking like uh, a cartoon. And this is like their fan fiction of a cartoon just, wanting to fuck them. Yeah. It's basically, they grew up with too much Betty Boop in their life. Yeah. And we're like, I want to fuck that. Yeah. Two dimensional cartoon girl. It, I legit though. Like the, the, the dialogue in this scene is like, women don't talk like this. <laughs> it's, it's funny as hell. So either way, she, she continues to try to convince him to break the only rule in cool world and fuck her. Um, unfortunately for Brad Pitt and Lonette, or fortunately, I suppose in the world of cool world, um, his partner nails barges in and stops anything from happening. Good I would like nails. a good on nails. I would like to put forth to the court an idea, yeah. <laughs> a, a recut of the dark Knight, starring Christian Bale and Heath Ledger, where mm-hmm. Batman's one rule is that he can't fuck doodles. <laughs> And the, joke, and the Joker is just trying to get him to break his one rule. Yeah, to he, fuck just keeps, he just keeps putting like more and more half nude cartoon characters with bodacious de honkers. Yeah. So that like, like the interrogation scene, you're going to have to break your one rule. I'm like, and then we just we hard cut to Christian Bale just railing a doodle. Just fucking Think about it. like American Psycho, where he's like, look, he's flexing, but he still has the Batman cowl on. But he's like fucking a cartoon character looking in the mirror at himself in the Batman cowl, and he's just yes. like, he's like, don't be a stalker's Rachel. Yeah. Tell me about the bears and rabbits. <laughs> Wait, are we about to go make this? Yeah, we are. I think we just sold I, it. I think we just sold it, boys. Uh, all right. Pitt and his partner show up at Holly's place where they're having a party. The door knocker won't let them in, so they decide to climb the building to get in. Totally natural behavior. They break Mm -hmm. into the high-rise, and Pitt tells his partner to guard the door and let no one escape. Pitt hassles Holly, and we're introduced to the creepy cartoon from before, Sparks. Pitt and Holly hurl insults at each other over Jack's appearance. Sparks is a creepy fucking guy. Yeah, Sparks is, is scary shit. Sparks actually looks a lot like um, in Coonskin, there's a villain who looks very similar really? to Sparks. It's just, I mean, I, you would assume, if you look at like Rob Liefeld, who can't draw feet, um, like all of his characters in the 90s were just all these like muscled out bros with fucking so many pockets. Yeah. Like that's just like, every artist has their own thing, you know? And uh, apparently... Sure. Ralph Bakshi's thing is that he is really good at drawing animals with tits mm. and characters that look like this guy. Great. You know, if this movie came out today, we totally would have gotten a Disney Plus spinoff series about Sparks. And honestly, I would have watched I'm, it. Fuck yeah. Jack gets pulled into the cool world once again. He shows up at Holly's place and Holly takes him to her bedroom. The two of them presumably fuck. And Holly's orgasm creates an explosion. Not just Gabriel Burns explosion. That turns her into a real woman. Kim fucking Basinger at that. Patrick? Yes, Kevin. This movie was pitched to kids. I can't believe <laughs> that. See? Like the turn of this movie is Kim Basinger fucking Gabriel Byrne. Cartoon Kim Basinger. Cart- yes. Really Fucking important Gabriel Byrne. 
so hard that she explodes into a, a real person. If I remember correctly, this was about the exact time when I, cause I was watching with Rose and Devin remotely that the idea was brought up. Maybe let's watch something else. Tonight. I don't know, man. At this point, I'm like, I'm so sold by this. Let for me sure. make this scene way worse, way more interesting. You ready please, for this? Please. The first choice to play Jack Deeps wasn't actually Gabriel Byrne. Ralph Bakshi's first choice for the character? None other than Willem Dafoe. I'm something of a cartoonist myself. Could you imagine this movie? Like, there's I can't, okay, all these weird. Okay, so hear me out. Like, just there's a world, right? In which, because there's apparently reports that like Tracy Lords was supposed to play, then they got Kim Basinger, but the original choice was Drew Barrymore. Whoa. Could you imagine this world, right? We're watching this movie. Brad Pitt's never changed, he's yeah. always here. Always Brad Pitt. Always Brad Pitt. But you have Drew Barrymore fucking Willem Dafoe explosion orgasm that turns her into a real person. This that. movie would be something all like if you just had like the original choices, I don't even know what this movie looks like. But like, I feel like the world needs whatever the original version of this movie looks. I, I will say I as I said at the beginning of the episode, I love Gabriel Byrne. I would have preferred Willem Dafoe as Jack Deeps. Just like. Because this would have been around the same time that we got David Lynch's Wild at Heart. So, like, Willem Dafoe is still in his, like, I'm a super creepy fucking dude phase. Yeah. He hasn't really evolved yet into his, like, like that kind of, like, almost daddy. Not sure. daddy. Daddy might be a, a touch too much. But, like, sure. that dad-like character who's, like, yeah. I'm a detective. I'm, like, got a heart of gold, but, like, I'm still kind of edgy kind of vibe that, like, we get more. Or more recently now, he's just, like, a dad. Like he's sure. just, we've all kind of just accepted like Willem Dafoe is just kind of a weirdo, but like also like oh he's sweet dad, yeah, yeah he's sweet dad, right? Not like Pedro Pascal's like daddy, daddy, yeah, like fuck me hard, daddy, yeah, exactly. So like I'm curious, I like I don't know what this movie looks like at this point, but I also because here here I think the reason that I I really would have preferred Willem Dafoe to Gabriel Byrne is that I think one of the biggest misses of this movie is how like actually unimportant Jack Deebs is. Like yeah. he really doesn't serve much of a purpose. He like him being in prison, I feel like doesn't really mean anything. Like there, I, there was a lot of, I think, potential for the role of Jack Deebs yeah, to be like, I agree. whether he's like a weirdo or like manic, like him just being like a chaos, like wild card, making all of this like harder for Brad Pitt's character to stop. Like he just felt very like straight man. And it just, mm -hmm. I don't think, I feel like, Pitt's character is supposed to be the straight man. So when you have two straight men across from each other and then Kim base, I don't know. It just, I think that dynamic would have been cool with Willem Dafoe. No, oh, I agree. I agree. Now Sparks calls up nails and tells him that Holly and Jack have fucked and Holly now transformed into a real woman is about to make an escape to the real world. He demands that it be stopped from happening. So nails tries to get Pitt on the phone but doesn't inform him of the situation instead opting to handle it himself. Once again, Sparks seems like he probably at some point in time played a much, much larger role in the grand scheme of all of this. Um, but once again, as a lot of these characters do means absolutely nothing. Yeah. Now Holly tells Jack, they have to escape cool world. 
but that she has to say goodbye to her crew first. Before she leaves, she steals Jack's ink pen. Now, Holly finds her goons, and Nail shows up to stop her. She uses the ink pen to suck up Nail's, and then she and Jack zap themselves back to the real world. At, at this point, Cayman, do yes. we understand how some people are purposefully zapping back and forth? Yeah, has I it don't... been, or is it just like one of those things we just accepted that they can like, or was it not intentional? So uh, that's an interesting point. It's it, I think initially when Jack and obviously Brad Pitt's character, uh, when they get zapped into Cool World, it's by accident. Like it's right, never right. something. But then I suppose at a certain point, we some people have the ability to just go back and forth. Yeah, it, it will. Um, I guess if Jack is the creator, that makes sense for him. But it does set up an interesting conversation later on. Um, oh, that's right. That's where right. it's like, I suppose Jack or uh, Brad Pitt's character could at any given point have left. Cool yeah. world, but just doesn't. Yeah. Also, I guess maybe it's just one of those things that doesn't matter. Like, wait, yeah, I don't that's, think that's not that's not the question I should be asking. Yeah. Uh, Sparks and Pitt meet up where Pitt learns of Holly's transformation and escape to the real world. Jack and Holly head to a casino in the real world, and Holly definitely makes an entrance that we soon realize. And we soon realize that Holly definitely has ulterior motives. She tries straight up, walks on stage, tries to fuck the lead singer. She goes, uh, make, she yells, she grabs him by the tie and goes, Make love to me right here. <laughs> and and Gabriel Byrne responds, she's with me. Yes. <laughs> like, was your intention there to like be a part of it? Was it to <sighs> say like, I don't know, just a really weird interaction. Uh, during his tussle with, oh, yeah, so this jacket's kicked out. And during his tussle with the bouncer, electricity shoots from his hands. And we realize that something big is happening. It's also confirmed uh, when he starts to change into a cartoon and anything he touches changes with him it's this is like they keep half a second he's gabriel Byrne, and then he's this weird like clown looking character yeah and i don't then, know like, why they don't change into like their cool world like when holly because holly at this point too she's starting to change as well and it's the same thing it's like she's not changing into hollywood i yeah i wonder if that was like a like, weird like editing issue or something. Yeah. I mean, it, it had to have been, she keeps changing into this like goofy clown lady, but like everyone apparently starts to change into goofy clown people. It's weird. I, it's interesting. Now here's a, the other thing too. In the, in the press release for the film, the studio tried to sell the movie both as a down and dirty who frame Roger rabbit and as a technical achievement in creating a multi-plane effect using live action and animations. The claims were somewhat foolhardy, as Roger's adult situations better served its plot, and Roger had scores of technical breakthroughs in its attempt to seamlessly combine live action and animation, hmm. um, which is fair. This movie, I don't think, does it nearly as good as Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Sure. I will say that all of the adult stuff in this movie, which in Who Frames Roger Rabbit, there's definitely a lot of like erection shit happening. Sure, you know? sure, sure. A lot of pop-ons, hard-ons, and pop-ups and tent postings and yep um corn dogs yeah i don't know again i had um, one this morning yep yes you did um whereas this movie is definitely like it it feels like it's so torn between what it is and what it wants to be and what yeah. it should be i agree because like what it is is like this weird amalgamation of like this isn't really for kids 
And I guess to a certain degree, really isn't even for adults. And that's what it is. What it wants to be is like a movie for kids to try to get that crowd. But what it originally was supposed to be was definitely movie for adults, as we have addressed multiple times. Right. And it's tough because there is some cool shit that they do in the movie. And especially towards the end, which we're about to get to this like really interesting world in which like it becomes way more like the real world starts to be infested by cartoons. Sure. That's like some really interesting shit, but like, yeah, that only happens in like the last 15 minutes, 20 minutes of the movie. Whereas like a bulk of it's in cool world and core world design is really cool, but like it just it's feels a cool world. It is a cool world. It just feels, I don't know, hampered. I don't, yeah, I don't no, know. I, I, I agree. Uh, Pitt and Lynette get into a disagreement over whether Pitt should jump into the real world. She doesn't want him to leave, but he knows if he doesn't, then the real world and the cool world will both be destroyed. The two embrace and Pitt zaps himself back to the real world. So like, yeah, like I, I go back yeah. to this, like how are, how is he just like zipping and zapping? But. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is when they were having this discussion, she kind of makes it seem like, you know, at any given point, you could have left. Like, you could go back to the real world and live a life. But the way that she says it is like, have you ever just wanted to go back so you can fuck? Yeah, that is exactly like, how she says it. I, I, that's, I get, I don't know how to answer that question. But Brad Pitt's like, baby, I love you. Yeah, I love you, baby. Oh, I'd never do that, doll. He says like in his weird fucking 70s jazz slang oh boy oh boy we're getting close to treading into some dangerous territory with those probably that scat uh back in (laughs) back inside the casino ollie starts to flip back and forth between cartoon and human forms ollie runs outside and finds jack who knows something wrong is happening the two tried to devise a plan to fix things and Holly says that there is a spike of power somewhere in Vegas that will solve all of their problems. Of course there is. Jack says that she's crazy, so she kicks the shit out of him and then throws him out of the car. Of course she does. Of course she does. Now Brad Pitt shows up inside of Jack's house. Jack arrives and Pitt confronts him. The sole mission is to bring Jack and Holly back to the cool world. And then all of a sudden, a neighbor who we've seen a handful of 45 seconds total of this movie runs over after seeing another light show. So they all band together to go find Holly and set things right. I totally forgot about the neighbors that yeah, come so, out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, we didn't, I didn't mention it earlier, but there is a scene when Holly and Jack first come back to the real world. The neighbors come over. It's like one of the neighbors who we've seen for like 15 seconds is like this girl, this lady who has a couple kids and she's like the neighbor to Jack. Well, her and another neighbor show back up. They walk in and are basically like, they just walk right into his house. And Holly's getting all gross and shit and is being weird. And, and Jack's like, ah, everything's fine. They're like, she's a prostitute, which like, right, right. I would probably assume the same. Um, apparently, she's just a really big fan of Cool World, which I guess in this universe, everyone is a really big fan apparently. of Cool World. Um, and all of a sudden... They have this conversation about like, hey, if we don't do this, we don't save the world. And this this neighbor is just like, all right, I'm here with you. And honestly, the way I think they set it up in the beginning and multiple times that we've had this neighbor, which is, like I said, like maybe two total minutes, the whole film. Um, I was like, is she a love interest? Like, is she going to be Jack's love interest? Sure. And um, we would have gotten it in the sequel. Maybe. Um 
We don't, though. We don't. So, Holly arrives at a casino looking for Vegas Vinny, the doodle that allegedly escaped Cool World. In the car ride to the casino, Brad Pitt explains that Vegas Vinny was the doctor he met when he first slipped into the Cool World. That the two of them mapped out the tunnel between dimensions and realized how dangerous things would be if everyone could traverse back and forth. And therefore, that's why they must stop Holly, I guess. There's no real explanation as to why outside of bad things happen. It's also weird to me that, okay, so they, they created this interdimensional tunnel. But I'm like, it doesn't seem like the tunnel's being used because these people are just like getting in and out of Cool World somehow. I don't know. Very strange. Um, Holly gets kicked out of the casino and runs into a little man dressed up in a trench coat with no skin showing. Mm. That's important because he's Dr. Whiskers, a.k.a. Vegas Vinny. She threatens him with the ink pen and demands to be told how to harness the spike of power. She then pops Doc Whiskers like a balloon just as the pit entourage arrives. So much is introduced in this little conversation and immediately like wrapped up. I'm like, the, the, <laughs> like what is happening? They're just like, hey, here's a huge exposition dump. Also, here's the bow on top to just tie yeah. this one scene together. I don't the really... amount of like Deus Ex Machina is with from from the spike of power to the end of the movie. It's there's like 15 of them. Uh, Brad Pitt this is chases. What I, this is what I like to call as a knight in shining plot armor. Correct. Yes. Uh, on the third day, look east. Brad Pitt chases Holly up the stairs in a race to get to the spike of power, while Jack stays back to tend to Doc Whiskers. Pitt loses Holly in the chase, but can track her residual doodle energy. Another fucking oh, this new fucking. We're thing. getting introduced to new rules for this universe every scene. I swear, like to God. it the. Uh, the sleepless nights of not being able to make it work are just bleeding through the script at this point. It's like, they were like, fuck it. She has doodle energy that he can find. It's worth pointing out too, that the spike of power is just like a neon light on top of a casino. Yep. You know, you know, uh, he catches up to her, but she uses her wily charm to trick him and pushes him off the balcony of the high rise casino. So Brad Pitt dead. dead. He's fucking dead. dead, dude. Yeah. Uh, Doc Whiskers tells Jack to use his doodle powers to stop Holly. So he uses his, you know, elongated cartoon hands to scale a 50 story building. I don't know what's happening anymore. Now, Holly ascends the building and grabs the spike of power, which unleashes a torrent of hellish doodles from within Cool World. She transforms back into her doodle form, and then Jack transforms into a Superman like doodle. All the while, everyday humans start being transformed into doodles, as well as a red sloppy Joe-like substance that it starts pouring out of the top of this casino and engulfing Las Vegas. Did you Jack also notice, so all of these like random-ass doodles are flying out too? So yeah, there's like the Superman, they're like... There's 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 like are you going to bring up Elvis? No, I, right before Elvis. Okay is a fucking Nazi doodle. Yes, there's a few Nazis. Like, why is there just random Nazi doodles? That's a good question, man. So, so the implication is that the Holocaust happened in, in Cool World, too. Yes, it did. Which is fucked up. Ralph, you had the ability to create this world, and you chose to bring the Holocaust into it, and that's disappointing, Ralph. 
I don't know. I mean, considering he's Jewish. Okay, fair. I feel like he's getting a little bit of wiggle room where fair, we probably fair. don't. But my favorite is the Elvis part. We really we get like a full blown sex scene on screen. Yes, yes. Between yes. Elvis and a nude doodle, and we see a lot of butt, cartoon butt. Yeah, and that's it. But yeah. like, it lasts like thirty seconds. It yeah. was, which jarring. is how long I'd last with that doodle butt, if you know what I'm saying. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's. It's a lot, Patrick. It's a lot. Take in this whole sequence. This, we kind of mentioned before the whole like everything turns to shit. Doodles are now in the real world and everything's going crazy. Honestly, super fun. Makes no sense. But like the art and animation in, in this whole sequence is actually quite entertaining. It's cool. I'm, I will say I was thrilled that I was sober watching this because if I was under the, the influence of anything, I might have just cried at yeah. this scene. Pro- yeah, don't do acid and watch this movie. Uh, Jack uses his newfound doodle powers to grab the spike of power, but can't seem to fight off all the ghoulish doodles. Now, Holly tries to stop Jack from plugging the interdimensional rift, but Jack decides to use his brain instead of his dick and plugs the hole. <laughs> Just realized how I phrased that whole sentence. Yeah. Should have uh, used his dick to plug the hole. He should have used his dick to plug the hole, but he doesn't. He uses the spike of power, which then causes all the doodles to be sucked back into the rift. And from out from within Jack's pen, which has been left on the street and is broken because of fuck all reasons, plot armor again, I suppose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Nails, who got sucked up inside of it, now appears. He rushes over to the lifeless body of Brad Pitt, and the doc rushes over as well. And all three of them are zapped back into Cool World. Lynette walks up and sees Nails and the dead Brad Pitt. She demands to know who killed Pitt finds out that a Holly killed him while in the form of a doodle, which for some reason means that Brad Pitt will now transform into a doodle himself. Wait, how did he die? Was Holly a doodle? Because if so, that means that he can now be a doodle. What? The what? What? What does this mean? I mean, don't get me wrong. I was thrilled to get to see Brad Pitt in doodle form. Yeah. His fucking goofy movie looking ass. But. Yeah, he does look what? straight out of the goofy movie. He looks like the, what's the singer from the goofy movie? Uh, the, the, yeah. Uh, what, uh, the guy that sings eye to eye. Yeah, that crazy fuck. He looks just like him, honestly. Like it's almost beat for beat. The exact same character. Power line. Power line. He thing. does look like a white power line. He does, yeah. Like a white human power line. So, I mean, as you can, I feel like the audience at this point has the understanding that if Brad Pitt is now a doodle, regardless of how he's become a doodle, because that makes no fucking sense, he can fuck. He can yeah. fuck now. He can fuck now. This and... dude is late. This dude has gone abstinent for 50 fucking years. Yeah. This dude's first come is going to be, it's going to blow his dick right There's off. about to be another doodle explosion. It's just, yes, it will. It's just his penis like popping like one of yeah. those canisters where you just like pull the thing and it blows out the confetti and it pops everything. That's going to be his penis. Here's the thing. <laughs> That's right. I, I don't know if Ralph is still alive. As far as I know, he is still alive. He's so very I, old. If he somehow listens to this podcast and makes it an hour and 10 minutes in. Ralph, why didn't you just show us Brad Pitt having sex with this character? 
why didn't we just get a Brad and Lynette sex scene to end this movie credits and like just going over the top of them, just getting down and dirty. Ralph, why didn't 80, we do that? 84 years old living still alive. as an 84 year old man. I wouldn't be surprised if that's your biggest regret, not including Brad Pitt and Lynette just getting dirty. Yeah. On camera. I mean, we deserve it. We do. We do. We've made it through this hour and 40 plus minute movie. We deserve to see cartoon Brad Pitt lay in some fucking cartoon pipe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to okay. say it right now. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, this isn't the end of the movie just yet. Don't worry. The film cuts to a comic book strip of Jack still in his Superman like form and Holly. And Jack says, what a beautiful landscape. And then he and Holly will have a beautiful family together. To which she responds with pencil dick. Roll what? credits. What? Yes. Last I don't understand. Trivia. <laughs> like, what, what a weird ending. Last bit of trivia. During a meeting mid-production, Kim Basinger and Ralph Bakshi and Frank Mancuso Jr. Uh, said that this would be wonderful if she could show this movie to sick children in hospitals. Bakshi replied, Kim, I think that's wonderful. But you've got the wrong guy to do that with. Why don't you tell me that on the way? <laughs> Why didn't you tell me that on the way in? How are you telling me that halfway through the picture? Mancuser reportedly agreed with Basinger that this was a good idea. That is the weirdest piece of trivia that's ever been included in this podcast. Could you imagine just like you were directing a film and you were like well known too. And then like an actress comes on set. It's just like, hey man, you know what would be great is if you just didn't do anything that you're doing right now. So that I can go and take this to make a wish kids. Just fucking going into children's hospitals and showing them Brad Pitt fucking on screen. Yeah. I mean, if I was a sick kid like that, I mean, that might be my wish. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm being completely honest here. I'm not going to disagree at all. I think... I think this is important. Also, do do we remember what good old Frank Mancuso Jr. was part of? This motherfucker's popped up a few times. I don't. Um, he did, there was just like some long running gag about Frank Mancuso Jr. Maybe he was like part of Doll Man, or maybe he was part of Demonic Toys. I want to say he was in some weird universe like that. Either way, this guy can get fucked for agreeing with Kim Basinger on anything. Um, <laughs> just kind of fucking done. Sure. I really feel like the two of them ruined this movie. Like you could, you can literally follow the rabbit trail back to these two conniving witches. Yeah, and just be like these assholes. He was a producer on April's April Fool's Day. Oh, April Fool's Day. Okay, okay. Well, you know, that was a fun movie too. That was. I like. In fact, uh, in my rankings, I have those these two movies next to each other. Hell yeah! Look at that! Look at that! Well, speaking of such, Patrick. Why don't we move on to the end of the show when we ask the question, save it or can it? Would you save this film or would you can this film? Normally there's three of us. Today was a little weird. It's just Patrick and I, but it's fine. I think um, it's turned out great. Yeah, I think I've had a great time talking about, um, we've talked a lot about orgasming. I don't we think have. we've talked this much about orgasming since fucking Rutger Hour in split second. Yeah. That, that dude just could her. not stop creaming Cream his, his leathers. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fuck. She, she. He, she. All right, man. So, Patrick, we're going to start with you as per norms. Yes. And uh, just curious, man. Like, 
it's such a weird movie. Um, save it or can it? This, I don't want to necessarily say, as I scroll through the 36 movies that I've been a part of on this podcast, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to say that this is the weirdest one we've watched just because there's a lot to consider with 36 movies, but it really might be the weirdest it one. It really watched. might be. Yeah. I feel like the, the closest one at a glance is like doll man versus demonic toys or demonic, like any of the demonic toys inclusions. Yeah. But this movie is just fucking insane. It, Kind it, it here's what I'll say. It delivered to me a fucking weird time, which is kind of what I wanted from yes. this movie when it was brought to me by my good friend Snicky and Cole. Did I enjoy it at times? Yes. At times, no. I think this for me, this falls into that that kind of infamous category within this podcast for me of I think this is a really fun movie to watch with friends. Mm. Or if you are watching it alone, I think you have to have that like same, that love for like the weird trash cinema. Because if you're just like chilling on a random day thinking, you know what? I got a couple hours. Why don't I watch Cool World? I don't know that it's that movie. Sure. But I do think this, I, this is a save it for me. It, it like at times inches close to considering canning it. But this is a save for me. Okay, what about you? Yeah, honestly, man, I, I'm I say save it. Absolutely yeah. save it. This movie is so fucking weird. And so weird. I do agree. Like, I think that this is probably top five weirdest movies we've covered. As weird as it is, though, I, I don't know if I could recommend like recommend it to people who are big fans of Ralph Bakshi. Like, I would be like, yeah, if you want to watch one like a traditional movie of his, like I would say go watch Fritz the Cat, go watch Heavy Traffic, go watch you know, fucking uh, fire and ice. Like I would probably direct them more there. Mm, and they're like, yeah, I really enjoy. Cause like this movie is really toned down from like what we normally get from him, which is much more explicit as you know, we've kind of d- discussed this movie was supposed to be, and it's not, I don't think it, but at the same time I say that, I don't think it also opens the door for really anyone else. And I think that's probably why it was so critically panned. Yeah. Because I don't think it really opens the door for a normal audience. Like you really have to come into this being like, that's I'm a really good point for something just bizarre. The, the plot makes little to no sense ever. There's just threads thrown in and out. And it does it. I think for me, the way I look at it is like, it, I think it adds up to like just a really weird movie like it just it adds up to being like a more bizarre watch uh brad pitt overacting and just just absolutely chewing the scenery yes is really fun to watch him just act and then and then like i said before like when we first started off with this was like there's a lot of sight gags that we didn't include because that would just be really difficult to do but there's some like really funny cartoon elements in this movie that are just fucking weird man this so, is like yeah i weird. i feel like there are some things that you touched on that made me think this movie definitely demands a certain mood yeah to be enjoyable and i also bet this would be this game this movie i don't know what it would be off the top of my head as i think of this idea but this movie would probably be a really fun drinking game 
oh movie. for sure like there's something here that you could like maybe every time like they say something about noids and doodles fucking or like whatever it is like there is something here that could be really fun for a group because also like there's kind of like what we talked about at the beginning there's that fun brad pitt gabriel burn kim basinger ness to it that mm-hmm. like that you get from a leprechaun that you get from like the like eight-legged freaks these like movies of people like one of the first things they did or toward the beginning of their career that there's that like fun. Yeah. Uh, Scarlett Johansson and eight legged freaks. Good call yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's just that. Yeah. Like it has that to it that like, I would go out on a limb to say, if none of these people were in this movie, I might be closer to the canon because that does as weird as it might sound add that. Like it adds like a zing to it that it's like, yeah. it's just fun knowing that this is fucking Brad Pitt. There's and, a certain zest. Yes. A, a certain zoot, you might say. A certain zoot that you could boogie to. Yes. Um, which I do, you know, we really didn't talk a ton about Brad Pitt's zoot suit the entire film, but man, what a zoot suit. What a what? Also, the fact that when he zoot suits back from Cool World, back to the real world, all of a sudden he's just like covered in blood and shit. And you're like, what? <laughs> Dude, look, this movie is fucking batshit crazy. And honestly, I, I think that if you're at this point and you're like, man, I wonder if I should watch it, just fucking watch it. I don't know. Yeah, I would yeah. say like this movie would be really fun to do like a live recording with an actual like audience and watch yes, along. Uh, I think so. Because this movie is just so bizarre. Like I think that, and it's tame enough. I think that we could probably pull that off without too yeah. many people getting offended. Uh, but yeah, man, weird fucking movie. And you got two saves from us. So you know what that means? It's the end of the show. And if you've enjoyed it, guess what? We'd love it if you rated reviewed and shared the hell out of it with your friends loved ones and worst of enemies honestly word of mouth is key here and we are beggars also fuck keith mm. if you're interested in video games check out our sister podcast spotlight games podcast and all of your favorite streaming services we stream live every tuesday on twitch at 8 p.m eastern so you can come join us there if you want part of that conversation and we'll see the boys right now jeremiah's not here uh, but patrick is and they're covering the latest season of secession over at spotlight tv so head on over and give that a listen if you like shitty television shows aimed at people who think Othello is fine with an all-white ensemble. God. <laughs> oh, that's funny. If you know, you know. If you know. In you the know. meantime, you can follow me at the dumpster boy. Patrick, we're gonna follow you. You can follow me at Patrick Schwag. And as you mentioned with Spotlight Games, you can follow us on Twitter at Spot Games Pod or on Instagram and TikTok and Twitch at Spotlight Games Pod. Jeremiah. I mean, Cayman. I, the reason I said Jeremiah is because the next thing to plug is Spotlight TV's socials. Yeah, Spotlight TV, if you want to go check out what those douchebags are doing over there, you can those find fucking... them at Spotlight TV Pod on Instagram. And if you can find them on Twitter, you'll see the exact same episode from like when the show first started being yeah. reposted every single week. It's great. That's one of the longest running, dumbest jokes I've ever seen. But Correct. you know what? I'm here for it. And once again, if you want to follow STC, you can follow us at Save Trash Cinema on all socials. Remember, fight big box office. Save Trash Cinema. And around here, everything goes. Everything except one thing. Yeah, what? What's that? Noids do not have sex with doodles. <laughs> Right? Noids do not have sex with doodles.